0: those days where you'd rather hear the sound of the wind blowing through the trees and the sound of a cell phone ringing. You want to get away, breathe in some fresh air. Well, I don't think there's a better place than the mountains. Once your pack is set, the next thing to do is choose our trail this is the most crucial part of our journey and if you're new to hiking or you just wanted to take a nice walk through the woods it can be natural to take the easy path but I want to let you in on a little secret the more difficult the path the more rewarding the view can be the difficult path can be dangerous and it can be scary but if we face those fears if we face that uncertainty it can make all the difference in the world. Choosing to take the difficult path can be the hardest thing in the world to do. Around the time that Jesus was born in the country of Judea, ruled a king named Herod. And Herod was a ruthless ruler, hated by all of his people known as a pawn of the Roman Empire, a scheming politician that maintained his power through brutality, intimidation, and heavy taxation. He wasn't sensitive to the Jewish customs at all. Although he financed the rebuild of the Jewish temple, he adorned it with imperial Roman symbols. Even a man as evil as Herod, he still had a path to choose. And the path that he would choose would ultimately define his destiny. Late one night, visitors came to give the king unexpected and disturbing news. That a new king had been born in a tiny village just a few hours walk from his palace. And more extraordinary, this king was sent directly from God. What was he to do? He had spent his entire life cementing his authority. Upset, he summoned his priests, but they told him what he already knew was true in his heart. King Herod had a choice to make. Acknowledge God's promise, find Jesus and worship him or continue preserving his glory and his power. We all know how the story of King Herod ends. Tragically, he makes the wrong choice and so many lives paid the price for it. We, like Herod, have a choice to make, a path to choose. We are standing at a signpost, the difficult or the easy, Will we serve as our own guide or allow someone else to guide us. You have everything you need, your pack and resources for your journey. How will you climb the mountain?
1: Growing up, my mom was an addict. She was an alcoholic for 25 years. She was doing pills. She was on crack and she would be gone for weeks at a time on a binge. I, w- I would watch her get ready to go to the bars and sitting in the, sitting there in the bathroom while she's getting ready to go to the bar, looking in the mirror, and I'm wondering, I'm thinking, you know, why she don't want to go? Is why why is she going to the bar? Why is she going to leave me here all night? Different men in and out of the house. And um, she, my mom's been married nine times, and it's just whenever I when I started seeing that that's. The kind of lifestyle I was living—it just—it it hit home in a way too, because I didn't want my boys to see me like that. I did not want that for my kids.
0: Mm-hmm. I've got a
1: 13-year-old son. I met his dad when I was 17, and we got pregnant and. He was killed by a drunk driver when I was four months pregnant with our son. I started a path that started with alcohol. I was drinking every night, drinking during the day. I was drunk, I would try to find babysitters so I could go to the bar and get drunk. And eventually alcohol just wasn't doing it for me. So I went on a path to cocaine. For a while it worked. It was the best thing that I could find at the time. And then I Learned how pain pills felt. It was any kind of pain pill, anything that would numb me to where I didn't have to feel anything. And it was like when I came down, I felt everything 10 times worse. And not only did my kids not have their dads. They didn't have me because I was there, but I wasn't because I was so high. I didn't know what world I was in sometimes. And I finally just got tired of the lifestyle because I, to to, I had to go to stealing. I lost my job. I lost my homes. I took my kids to their grandmothers and told them I can't take care of them right now. And that was the best thing for them because I couldn't. They didn't, I didn't want them to see me that way. And when I got out of rehab, I stayed there for three months because I was so scared to come back here and be around the same people. I Eventually, I met my husband, DJ, and, we, and he, well, we knew we grew up together, but we lost touch throughout the years, and he went to prison for six years. But we got back in touch when he got out of prison, and then we got married January the 22nd of last year. <laughs> And exactly a year before, the day we met Mike and Kim Allison, we were at Ollie's and we were arguing. And we were outside, we were screaming in the parking lot. And the Wednesday night youth service let out. Two men approached DJ in the parking lot and spoke with him and prayed with him. And then there was another couple that had spoke with me and that approached me and spoke with me and prayed with me. And we ended up, you know, going back to each other in the park a lot, going home, and that argument was over with. A year later, we were living in a little, just a little one-bedroom loft, barn-looking house. And the next-door neighbor approached DJ to talk to him, and it turned out it was Mike Allison. <laughs> and they lived right next door to us, and they realized how they knew DJ. They invited us to dinner we went to dinner with them and they invited us to church and we started going to church every sunday with them we asked we had got we got saved we got baptized and we wanted to begin our journey and with god together and we tried for a year to get pregnant and we couldn't get pregnant we stopped trying and we found out i was pregnant (laughs) and he was so excited about our little girl. And we both got sick with double pneumonia. We both went to the hospital. They admitted me because I was six months pregnant. And he didn't have any insurance. So they just they sent him home. And May 17th, I called him at home and his brother answered the phone. And When his brother answered the phone, he said he can't talk, Summer. He said he's in and out, his speech is slurred, I don't know what to do. I said, you need to get off the phone with me and call an ambulance. About 11.30 that afternoon, his dad and the head nurse of the hospital came in the hospital room. And all they said was, we did everything we could do. And I looked at him and I was like, I was kind of confused. I was like, what are you talking about? And then his dad looked at me and started crying and said he <laughs> And <laughs> we wanted to raise our little girl in a godly home. And for her to be able to have a chance from, from the beginning to just learn how to love God and to know that God loves her and that, you know, there's there's no other greater love. And I a lot of people thought when dj died that i was going to go back to drugs and partying to just kind of just forget about the situation but this time there's a difference i do have god in my life <laughs> and i believe god was waiting for dj to come to him because he got saved and baptized in april and god took him home in may I know that God knows what's gonna happen before it happens, but he just had to wait on him. And I had my daughter August 19th and I named her Abigail Danielle Grace Henry. There is, there is a peace and there is, there is definitely mending a broken heart and there's definitely someone that can take away your, your urge and your temptations and your cravings for any kind of drug or, and that can replace that drug. Because I don't, I don't even crave drugs no more. I don't even, don't even have the desire to do a drug anymore and I never thought I would be able to feel that way. And I know that the only way I've gotten to this point is because of God.
2: And that, Faith Promise Church, is why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. That's why we expand to multiple sites. That's why we add services. We're going to keep adding more services and more sites, more locations. Why? Because there are people out there like Summer that have not met Jesus yet, and they desperately need him. So God is moving at all of our campuses out in Campbell County, God is doing a work. It's, it's, it is unbelievable. We're trying to move them into a new location, and they're growing. People are being saved. Anderson is growing. God's moving over there. North Knoxville, a couple more weeks, they'll be transferring to their new location. Blount County will be going to a third service. Pellissippi will probably in 2015 add another service. Uh, our Internet campus is blowing up. And so wherever you're with us, we love you this weekend. And we are so thrilled you chose to come to the house of the Lord and worship God with us. And you'll never be the same because you came and celebrated with us this weekend. Amen. So, as I watched this video this week and working on the message, just one of the things that hit me is summer is the reason that Jesus came. Summer and Chris and you and people far from God that's why, that's why the Lord invaded planet Earth on Christmas 21 centuries ago. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek, and to, to seek and to that which was, we were all lost. We're all born lost. No, nobody's born saved. And Summer had an opportunity and she took it. See, her story could have continued on the path that her mothers did, but she had an opportunity. She had an open door to to, to change her story, to <clears throat> to go to a, to go another direction, and she took that opportunity. She she you know she she changed. She turned from what she was doing, and she put all her faith in Jesus, and God radically changed her life. See, we many of us have already changed roads, haven't we? And others of us, God is is weaving and working on our story, wetting our story with His. And and many of us are making fake decisions, and God is doing some incredible things. Well, <clears throat> Herod had the same opportunity that Summer had, and Herod did not make the wise choice, did he? Now, again, any of our stories can change, no matter what you're facing, no matter what what you've done, where you've been, how difficult your life has been, no matter how deep that you believe that you've fallen into the pit of sin and chain, no matter what, if you're up and out or down and out, no matter where you've been or where you're at, your story can change with the power of God, just like Summers. Do y'all believe that? And so, man, that is just the deal. So why did Herod refuse Jesus? Summers said yes. And Herod said, no. Why did he do it? And, and they, it, you know, we, we all, this is a very inviting church. And so we invite people, thousands of us talked, we probably invited 50,000 people to this series that were in A Story Christmas. You guys do a great job. And people have so many reasons why they can't come and won't come. And then when we invite them to give their heart to Jesus, there's so many reasons why people say no and not now and all that. But let me tell you at the bottom line, Everybody funnels down to one decision. And it's the same reason that Herod said, no, it boils down to this. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Power and control. Power and control. See, the very act of salvation, the very act of calling on the name of the Lord is an act of surrender. Romans 10, 13 says this. Whoever, who? Will call upon the name of the Lord will be what? Well we say, calling on him is an act of surrender of your will to his will. It is acknowledging him as Lord, boss, ruler, master of your life. It is surrendering. Herod refused to surrender where Summer said, I'm ready to surrender up my life to him. So let's look at Herod's opportunity. Pick it up in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, you ought to have this circle in my Bible, he was troubled, or he was distressed, he was agitated. It's literally in the Greek, it's a a picture of two things in a machine rubbing together. Causing friction, Herod was agitated greatly at the proposal that there was another king born, and all of Jerusalem with him, gathering together all of the chief priests and the scribes, the people, he inquired of of them where the what? The Magi did not ask where the Messiah was to be born. The Magi said, where is the king? Herod understood the the Jewish traditions. Herod didn't say, where is the king to be born? He said, where is the Messiah to be born? There's a great difference between a king being born. Kings are born all the time. There's only ever been one Messiah. Amen? Amen? And so he understood what was going on. Where is the Messiah was to be born they said to him at Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are and by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth the ruler who will shepherd my people Israel, then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. Now he's already manipulating to maintain control. And if you're not careful, listen, even as a believer, your flesh will manipulate you to always maintain control. So he's got them in, and he's already finding out when, where, what, when. He's manipulating. He's a spy of Satan, literally. And used of the enemy. The exact time the star appeared. And he and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Hey, go search carefully for the child. And when you found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king. Uh, They went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasure, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You talk about a heart for the harvest offering. But having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now, again, the Magi said, where's the king? We've seen the star for the king. And Herod said, where is the Messiah to be born? Now, what Herod could have done is this. He, well, he could have called the, the priests, the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees. He said, where's the Messiah going to be born? In Bethlehem, great, let's go. That would have been the smart thing. Hey, I'm packing my bags. I'm coming with you. Not am I coming with you, but I'm going to bring some gold, frankincense, and myrrh of myself. Because when you bow down and worship him, I'm going to bow down and worship him. And I'm going to bring gifts, and I'm going to protect this new Messiah. And, I'm, man, I'm going I'm to surrender my, my sovereignty and my will to his will because the Messiah has been born. Wouldn't that have been a better story? I mean, we wouldn't be calling him, you know, the names we call him. See, his story was about power and control, which all of ours is. Power and control dominated Herod's heart, and it dominated Herod's story. See, we're all writing our story, aren't we? We, and Summer's story is so awesome, but we could have taken two or 3,000 other people and put their story on the screen, couldn't we? Because there's so many of us that, 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 you know, that if, have that if followed Christ, they surrender surrendered to his power and his control. Now, let me tell you a problem of not surrender. If you're listening, say I See, Herod died not long after this story, a few years later, and his son, Archelius, King Herod, became the king. That's what they called him, King Herod. Now, his father tried to kill Jesus as a baby, his son tried to kill, was part of the crucifixion of Jesus as an adult. And so if you read the end of the Gospels, King Herod is not this king, it is his son. Not only do we see him dealing with Pilate in the crucifixion of Jesus, but then we see him in the book of Acts trying to kill the Christians because they wanted to submit their power and their control and they would do anything to maintain it. Does that make sense? And you see, We all have that same urge within us. Instead of bowing our knee and confessing Jesus as Lord, we refuse and we we make up all kind of excuses, not even realizing what the deal is, not even realizing what's going on. And so let me give you a, a really serious warning. If you choose not to surrender to Jesus, are you with me? Your story will play out. And most likely, your children's story will play out just like yours. Because, again, you read history and you read Matthew, follow on, pick up the book of Acts, you'll see Herod, Herod, thy son, live out his father's exact stories. Does that make sense? And because Herod refused to repent, because he refused to surrender, his son followed in the same footsteps of his dad, and he refused to surrender. Let me tell you something I'm so excited about, Summer's story because some are surrendered to the power and control, I guarantee you her children will live a different life than she lived. Amen? Her children will be different. They're at the Blount County campus, and even though their dad is gone, they have men at Blount County campus that serve in preschool ministry, that serve in the children's ministry, that serve in the, serve in the student ministry, and those kids will have surrogate spiritual fathers because they're in the house of God. Come on, somebody, woo, man, and they'll go to kids' camps, and they'll go to student ministry, and they'll go to student camps, and they'll be saved, and their lives will be different. Why? Because their mother surrendered control to Jesus. Herod refused. Herod was committed to maintaining his own control. In chapter 2, verse 13 of the same chapter of Matthew. Now, when they had gone, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. That's what, look at verse 16. And when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged, sin and slew, killed all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Now, he was committed to his personal sovereignty, wasn't it? He was serious about his rule. He was serious about his son's rule. See, Summer's, Summer's mother, I don't, I don't know the conclusion of Summer's mother's story. I just know the conclusion of Summer's story. Does that make sense? And Summer's story changed. Why? But God. But God. And what, so what about the story you're writing? Have you surrendered power and control to him? Have you bowed your knee and confessed him as Lord? Have you, have you, is there a daily surrender? Are you committed to the kingdom of God and growing and allowing the Holy Spirit to write on the pages of your life, all of our lives, every day, the word and how God wants our lives to work out? Or are you doing not evil like Herod which killed all the babies and his son killed Christians to maintain control? But, uh, but, but is there a rejection of his sovereignty, of his lordship? Who's in control of your heart? Who's in control? Because I not you listen to something. Never forget what I'm about to tell you. If you're listening, say am. Pride is a powerful weapon of hell. It is a powerful weapon, and hell will use pride to keep you out of heaven. Because, you know, there's no question it was all about pride for Herod, wasn't it? He he wasn't going to have a Messiah coming up under his regime. He was going to put an end to anything that would usurp itself against his personal control. Pride will blind your eyes from Jesus. It'll blind you from the realization that you need Jesus. It'll blind you from the realization of who Jesus is. Pride will tell you you're the boss, you're in control, you're the king of your castle. You're going where you want to go, you're going to do what you want to do. And for a few more years of rule for Herod on earth, he's been in hell for 21 centuries. That's a bad trade-off. Would you would you, would you agree with that? It's a bad business deal for our boy, old Herod. I mean, he made the the bad choice. Again, it says that Herod was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, Jerusalem, being the city, the temple, the center of worship, Jerusalem should have been thrilled, shouldn't they? But again, it goes down to power and control. See, it said that his heart was troubled, again, agitated. It was, he was frustrated. He was, there was a friction within him because he wanted to maintain all of his power and control. See, that's where pride puts you. Pride puts you in opposition to God. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, it was the surrender of Summer's heart to Jesus that transformed her life. Does that make make sense? Now, it doesn't mean that her life has been perfect. As a matter of fact, you heard her say that she thought that that her friends thought that she would turn to alcohol when her husband died. Easy to be bitter about that, isn't it? But she's surrounded by the family of God and the Spirit of God and walking in the Word of God and worshiping in the house of God. And God is giving her peace in the midst of the storm. Because, you know, Christmas shows us God's not afraid of our mess. Jesus invaded the planet to get all up in your mess. And he will work our mess out, won't he? If we surrender. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him to the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes uh, resulting in righteousness, with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. What do we confess? We confess to God, we agree with God that Jesus is the Lord and Jesus is my Lord. Lord, curios, ruler, boss, and master. It means I rescind and renege all my rights and privileges, and I surrender my personal sovereignty and power to His. Does that make sense? And, and, and that's what Summer did. Listen, thank God for who I call the cowboys. Because at Blount County, there's two guys, and, and they're known for barbecue, but what they really should be known for is soul winners. Now, barbecue's fine, and barbecue's fine, but it's not like soul winning. Now, can you imagine walking through the parking lot and a couple arguing and you walking up in the middle of it? Because that's what Mike and, and, and Brent did. They pulled her husband aside. They prayed with him. Lord and behold, a year later, find out their neighbors with Mike, Allison, and his family. And what do they do? They invite him to what? Dinner. Why? Because they wanted to share Jesus. Y'all see a pattern? And Mike and his wife led her and and, and, uh, and her husband to the Lord. And they are, they're, they're still walking with them now. And listen, I thank God for the Cowboys of Blount County. And, all, and listen, at every one of our campuses, we have soul winners. We have inviters who care about people and who, who, tr- who you've, you've tried to get people to come even this weekend. Thank God for you. I thank God for you. That's how we make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee. Amen. That's what we do. Woo, man. So now, if you're ready to surrender, you may be, you may be a church member. You may, you, you may have grown up in church. You might have prayed a prayer when you were eight or eighty. But you've never surrendered, confessing Jesus as what? Lord. See, if we underst- if we were in the biblical, you know, time, we would understand that word. We don't get the word Lord. Because we don't, we, we've never lived where there was a Lord in, in America. We, we, we don't get that. They got it. So if you're ready to surrender your life like Summer did. You're not going to do what Herod did, which is reject, but you're ready to make the wise choice that Summer are made. You've been struggling, wondering, and you're ready to surrender to his rule, his kingship, his headship, his lordship, with every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to pray with you out loud what we call a confessional prayer. If you're ready to open your heart, just pray this with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned, and I'm sorry. Forgive me. I confess you as my Lord. I put all my faith in you. I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. Have your way. Fill me. Let me walk and please you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, somebody give God some praise in the house, man. Well, amen. Woo! Now. If you prayed that prayer with me, listen, this is what I want you to do. Uh, there's a communication card in front of you. Fill that out. I prayed with the pastor or, you know, check baptism or maybe you're here and you need to sign up for next steps. Being the, the very first experience, next steps we have in 2015, sign or you need a group or serve, whatever you need to put. Uh, fill that out. You can put it in the offering boxes or take it to our next step area. If you're on the Internet campus, you can click right there on the communication card or go to the chat room. There are people waiting to pray with, talk to, and minister to you right now on our Internet campus, wherever you're at, all around the world. So they're they're there for you. Uh, when we close this service, there's going to be some prayer people, some pastors down front. Love to pray with you however they could minister, so they'll be down here. Hey, has it been good to be in the house of the Lord? Hasn't <laughs> it? Man. I'd just love to be a fly on the wall in Blount County tomorrow because they're going to tear the building down in Jesus' name. So, man, I'm so excited. So excited. In January, Blount will go to a third service, which they'll immediately go over 1,000. North Knoxville will be moving first weekend in January. They're going to bump over 1,000, and God is moving so again, pray. Hey, we're, we're there's only a couple more weeks. We have one more. Has this, y'all, y'all enjoying this series, The Story of Christmas? <laughs> just so you'll realize, instead of doing one Christmas production, we decided to try something new and do basically three. And so there's a little different music because you know when we do the big productions, we do things like you saw the drummer boy, and we do stuff like we did last weekend. We, we do those because we know there's a lot of extra. People that are not faith promise folks and many of them don't go to church and we want them we, listen we do it for a reason and we want them to feel comfortable so that God can get their hearts. Amen. Are you with me? So everything we do has a reason. You may wonder what in the what are the, what are they why do they do that? There's a reason. If it's wrong, Josh White had thought it up if it's right. Uh, yeah, that was that was mine. And so, hey, pray about our year-end giving. You got one more week, you can invite people. There's still some more cards out there, Pastor Josh. Grab some cards. Next weekend, another unbelievable testimony. We're going to link that with Mary when the unexpected happens. I think what happened to Mary was a little unexpected. And so we're going to talk about that next weekend. And so, man, you can put your stuff in the offering box, by the way. Pray for year-end giving. And God is so faithful. I, listen, I want to tell you I love you so much. And some of you will be traveling. You'll start. To, you know, you may be traveling next weekend. We we pray that this Christmas is the greatest you've ever experienced. And we are God's breath is on us right now. I've been praying we hit twenty fifteen like a holy hammer. <laughs> Amen, like a hammer. And so we're just grateful for you. We love you. Be blessed. Bring some folks back next weekend. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Merry Christmas.